Hey, it's Chris Knight, founder of Self Intelligence. Welcome to another episode of the Self Intelligence Podcast, where everyday people just like you can get free expert guidance and support to resolve any personal problem or drama you're experiencing. Have you tried to be the good person in life and in relationships only to have your efforts slapped in your face by inconsiderate people and being dealt with difficult and unfair situations no matter how hard you have tried to do the right thing? If so, you're not alone. In fact, I have witnessed this pattern in so many clients, I have coined this condition, the good person syndrome. In this podcast, I speak with Jason, who has suffered from the good person syndrome for most of his adult life, resulting in chronic stress, relationship drama and breakdowns, boundary issues, overwhelm, and plain confusion. If you are fed up being the good person who ends up feeling disappointed and victimized by what life throws your way, you don't want to miss a minute of this episode. And thank you so much, Jason, for offering up this inquiry for all of us to learn, heal, and grow in awareness. All right, Jason, thank you for coming on and being willing to open up a discussion that I continually speak about uh, being the good person syndrome uh, that causes uh, many challenges and often unforeseen drama and toxicity in our lives, um, trying to be this good person who's looking for love and acceptance and approval and to try to do the right thing essentially um, to make everybody happy and it's a very innocent attempt at yeah creating uh, the life that we we all would value and envision to to want naturally but in fact doing the opposite in many cases and so many people suffer with this good person syndrome not knowing that it's taking place and it's been invaluable discussing this with you over the time that you've been learning self-intelligence and sort of seeing it emerge and manifest in so many different areas of your life and uh, more recently how there's been a connection to trauma and perhaps how the good person has been some kind of compensation maybe for those things there may be a relationship there for us to discover as well this particular episode has come about due to a recent event that you've had and it's kind of triggered this stuff right so why don't you tell us a little bit about that yeah so um to try and keep it fairly short um we've we've moved from brisbane up to the sunshine kind of Cinderland and and we've rented a, a house of of friends and um, that's gone swimmingly up until um, the last month or so uh, when they advised us uh, via a text message that um, they needed to uh, get a, a new fixed lease in place, which um, they'd talked about on and off. Anyway, it, it, it turns out that that wasn't suitable for us and we tried to negotiate something and we, we, we weren't able to because we've decided we're, we're ready to, to buy a home. In the process of us finishing up that rental and moving out and, um, you know, expectations, et cetera, that they haven't met our expectations and we haven't met theirs in, in different places. And, um, yeah, the, the good person's come out. Um, I suppose I, I'm still wanting to be, I find myself still wanting to be liked by them and not ruffle the feathers, but, but I'm also, my wife and I are realizing that, well, Hey, you know, we, we don't feel that they've, actually acted in the in in our best interests or taken in our you know 15 to 25 year friendship 
you're wanting to stand up for yourself, but then you're not wanting to ruffle feathers and, and, and upset anyone. So you, you're wanting to still be the good person. Yeah, and this plays out in family dynamics, relationships, friendships, work, all of these different places, right? Um, the devil's in the detail, isn't it? The devil's in the detail because there is this sense that we've been friends for 25 years and that should mean such and such and such, right? If if it came to this situation or that situation, there's a psychological false sense of security that someone would be there for you in a certain way or look after you or consider you in a different way or whatever the case. You've been shocked, it sounds like, by some of the ways this apparent relationship has dealt with certain circumstances. Are there any specifics around that that sort of give us context? It's all expectations, right? So we we just expected them not to send a text message that we're, our rent was going to go up. Um, we needed to sign a 12-month lease and uh, and we needed to pay a bond. They'd never requested a bond to start with. And it's like, well, well, shit, you know, like, I mean, I've been friends with them for, for 15 years. It's like, couldn't you pick up the phone? Um, I mean, that's what I would do, right? Um, hey, guys, things have changed. Um, you know, our situation with, you know, self-managed super fund, blah, blah, blah. Um yeah, look, we get that. It's a bit of a jump in the rent, but, you know, I, I sort of understand. But but there was none of that. It was just a text message. So anyway, we had a we had a, a catch up the next day, um, but that it, it has already started on the wrong foot. And then then when we said, well, we're, we're actually looking to, to buy a house, we can't sign a 12-month lease. Oh, no, no, you know, we'd give you an, an out clause, but, you know, you'd have to give us 60 days. It's like, well, that's not conducive to, to make a... Uh, an exciting offer when there's multiple offer situations up here. Um, we'd need to make it shorter. And, and, and that's where it just sort of started to fall apart. And then I had an opportunity for us to rent or, or stay at a, at a client's property. It's been a gift that that's there. Uh, so we said, look, well, we'll be out by X date. And then, you know, before you knew it, they've got real estate agents involved um, to, to get photographs. And, and we said we'd present the property really lovely for them, you know, and, and that was an acreage property. So I'm mowing acres of grass and, you know, doing everything. And we presented the house really lovely. Barely a thank you for that. And then it's like, well, my wife has Thursdays and Fridays off. Can we, can we have the inspections and any meeting times on those days? No, um, just get the people through, um, proposed tenants, new tenants, etc. And our friends were the ones driving, just, just, just make it happen. And, um, and we were really disappointed that there was no lack of consideration. Uh, they seem to forget there's a housing shortage for rentals up here. So they ended up with 10 applications and they've got a really high rent and, you know, they've got a good result. Um, yet there still seem to be you know, wanting to push, push, push. And then they wanted to come and get their stuff out from underneath the house after it's sat there for 22 months. And it's like, well, hang on a minute. No, why don't you just wait until we're out? Like we're, we're trying to present the property nice. And, you know, they just manipulated and expected. And This is good. This is good. It's all good and well, isn't it? To be like, you know, expectations going to create drama. Expectations going to lead to this and that. And it, it, it's important to let go of expectation. That That's all good and well, isn't it? Until it actually happens and it actually involves people where your sense of reality is, which is in those expectations, not realised that they are firm beliefs, aren't they? 
The first expectation that you just mentioned was around the text message. In this situation, friends, particularly of 25 years, right, shouldn't send a text message when they are notifying us about important things like rent increase, bond, these types of things. What they should do is have a one-to-one conversation or something like this, right, to notify us and let us know. So already the should is a judgment placed on the other. And what you've recently learned about judgment is there's fear. There's fear behind judgment. So when someone sends you a text message and does something that seems a bit strange for friends to do, it's not often the first thing to think to, to consider, what is the fear behind this? Because from the perspective that there's fear behind this text message, truly looking at it that from that way, then the compassion can come. But instead of seeing the fear straight away, the judgment is placed on the reasonability that friends would have a conversation, not text each other. Fear is not the first consideration, unless you're well-trained in this, where that will be, maybe not the first, but quickly come as a realization, this is not personal. The expectations and drama that have come out of this situation is coming from the place of believing your relationship with them is personal, like it has something to do with you. And it's a shock when fear can eclipse all of that. Fear eclipsing care, love, memories, great times, all of that sort of stuff, boom, over the top it goes. So when you receive their fear, then you react from fear. But the fear doesn't come across like a fear. Not many people experience it as a fear. They experience it as reasonability. That's it. It's not experienced as fear. It would be reasonable for your friend to do this. It's like fear hit me and then I hit them back with fear, which was disguised as reasonability. This is what's got to be very clear. Because it's so easy to say it's reasonable that they would give you a text, that they would talk to you rather than text you. That's reasonable. That's so easy to say that. It's much more challenging to look at yourself and go, what am I fearing that's actually blocking me from the compassion of what they're fearing? Because you're probably correct in that friends would probably talk to each other or, you know, this would probably happen. But we're learning to go deeper and go, wait a sec, there's something awkward here. There's something uncomfortable. There's something worth looking at at a deeper place. So what did you notice were your fears when this information, this moment took place? What were your fears? Yeah, that's a really good question. We've had a fear of missing out in the market, buying a home uh, and, and not knowing when the right time was to, to, to buy back in. And ironically, we've made an offer and we're going through that process at the moment as well on top of everything else. But so I think underlying there, there was a fear if we signed the 12-month lease um, we wouldn't be able to get out of that lease and then buy a home. So that was one fear. Yeah, that's that's a fear, yes. And, and the fear of missing out is a major fear behind a lot of things. This just one trigger related to getting a text message though. So um, I can flick up the fear table if you like, or you can just tune into it for yourself right now. I think that the fear of being taken advantage of is is probably another one not being yeah not being heard and uh and considered yes so that that's definitely in this fear table 
<laughs> the fear of being taken advantage of, the fear of being used can often come up, being abandoned, betrayed, uh, these types of deeply ingrained, you know, nervous system-based perceptual reactions, right, to certain information, this being a text message, you know, in this case. One of the things I think is an underlying current with this as well, I've been working um, for these friends of ours um, doing mowing and, and, and what have you for some time. And, and when I came up here, I was just happy to get some work and did it at, at a really cheap rate. And then as I started to get myself established up here, I started to increase my rates because I realized that, you know, my worth was, was such and, and I increased my rates and, and they weren't happy for me to increase my rates and, and they were going to let me go. And I thought, oh no, I'll, I'll keep helping you out because me wanting to be the good person. So I kept doing it. But I've felt as the months have rolled on, I felt more and more uncomfortable turning up to do the work at a cheaper rate. Um, and that's that's been a bit of an underlying current there. So every, every you know, two, three, four weeks, you turn up to do the mowing and, and work around the property. And while they sort of appreciate it, there's not the same sort of level of appreciation as I get from most of my other clients. Uh, and it's always at a, at a very discounted rate, you know, 40, 40 odd percent for a lot of it. And then, you know, around 30% discount. It's like, well, that's a considerable discount. And, and I felt frustrated. I think they also feel frustrated because they feel like giving us a cheap rent for, um, for a long time, but, um, we never, we never negotiated the rent. They just said what it was and we accepted it. Um, and they never increased it. So, um, but I, I think there's an undercurrent there. Did you know that they were giving you, you know, in the market, some kind of discount? Uh, I think at the time, um, nearly two years ago, it was a reasonable rent. It wasn't your average setup. You know, they had half their stuff still under the house. They had a big chest freezer running. and So, yeah, okay. So you've got a slight smile there happening. Okay, I'm, I'm interested in that. So, so, so you are just completely like this is this is the rent for this place. This is completely above board. There's no special discount happening. No, at, to be honest, at 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 the start, definitely not. Okay, so then the expectation comes that you are to provide services for them that are at a discount discounted rate. How does this make sense in your mind? What, where, where's the discount? Where's the obligation for discount coming from? Yeah, if if I say no, well, what's going to happen to the to the friendship? And I shouldn't um, make a deal out of this, otherwise it, it might compromise things, uh, and it might make things uncomfortable. But what's the end? What's the end result of that discomfort? Right? What are you really fearing? So there's 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 discomfort. That's one thing. But what's the result? Rejection. Okay, fear of rejection. Perfect. And if you are rejected, what happens if you're rejected? What happens to the relationship potentially? Yeah, it's not the same or it's end, ended. So what's really important here is we're constantly becoming clear about the fears that are driving action and behavior, right? Because the whole shift that you are looking for and everybody who is doing the inner work is looking for is how do I start living not from fear? That's essentially it. Ego is fear-based action. I want to stop acting from here because you get what you fear. This is the thing. And it's like, I'm sick of getting what I fear. So how do I shift this around? Well, you have to become aware of where you're acting from. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of rejection. 
I'm afraid of um, amazingly the things that actually transpired um, in, in their own way. So uh, essentially if I rock the boat, it, it's going to cause too much discomfort for both of us to be able to be able to stand each other. Right. God, God forbid relationships could survive on honesty, you know, for the vast majority of relationships, they survive on pretense. They survive on assumption. They survive on implied expectations. They do not survive or thrive on honesty. You know, that's so true because my wife and uh, and and her friend, they finally decided to meet a few weeks back before we moved out because she wanted to clear the air um, because they still wanted to get, you know, works done on the property before we were out and all this sort of stuff. So they just wanted to sort things out so they could get 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 things happening how they wanted, basically. And uh, my wife basically finally spoke her truth about a whole heap of things. And that's that's when it really it really went south after that. She, you know, um, our friend didn't didn't like it. When you say spoken, she spoke her truth. I would be very curious as to what that really actually means, because I've had hundreds of conversations of people who have relayed back to me text messages and conversations that were I was speaking my truth. And they were some of the most full of shit conversations I've ever heard, not deliberately and not consciously, but literally because of the misidentified state that ego presents and creates. Actually, this truest, my truth, my honesty, my blah is is absolute nonsense. And so the recipient, in many cases of that, takes a polarity position, a defensive position, um, because there's not really the space for truth happening. It's it's like the vast majority of the time that anyone has said that, that that's the case, in my experience, over many, many hundreds of conversations. So it is also the case that when someone is coming, say, for example, you said, look, What's feeling right for me is to charge the right amount. That's where it's at. Um, I hope you can respect that. If you don't respect that, uh, it's okay. You can get somebody else. Then that would mean that we are clear between us because I'm not going to be respectful to this relationship pretending like I'm okay with this because what that's going to do is it's going to, without even my choosing, it's going to create resentment. And that resentment is only going to lead to me expecting something from you, which I don't want to put you in that position of expecting something from you in a, in a way that's sort of covert and underhanded. I don't want to do that to you. So instead of doing all of that, I just want to make this really clear. These are my prices. And I, if you don't like that, then we're going to go from there. Now, when you come to someone like that, they have an opportunity to step in with you and go, well, yeah, that's shit. Like, but I really appreciate you telling me how it really is. Like, I, I actually appreciate it is uncomfortable and I did want you to do it and I don't want to have to look for someone else. Yeah, that, those are all difficult things, but I do appreciate that we're actually clear. You know what I mean? That I, Because you know what that creates between people? It creates trust and trust is the most important thing in a relationship. Trust does not come from doing what people want you to do. Now, this is the misconception of all relationships. 
relationships are assumed, friendship, romantic, family, everything else, that trust will come when I give you what you want. Because when you give me what you want, that means you love me. That means that you, you know, respect me or think I'm a great person. Who knows all the different things. But actually, that is so far from the truth. When you put actual truth in the center of the conversation, then truth is the medium for the relationship now, not person to person, which will be how do we manipulate each other to give each other what we want? That's what person-to-person relationships are. They're based on control and manipulation without knowing it. And generally people make sure they give each other a reasonable amount of distance from each other so it doesn't ever really become clear that's what's happening, right? So they give each other enough breathing space that they don't find out the reality of that. What oftentimes people realize, and and, and it's kind of generally known, like you don't know someone until you live with them, that type of thing. When you get closer range to each other and in closer proximity in the, in the livingness with it, then those assumptions become revealed as to what they really are. And so this is what you're experiencing. It's like this was always there but not uh, more dormant, not triggered to be really happening. So they didn't really experience the good person that's Jason so acutely until now. And you didn't experience their fears and their selfishness in their own way because you, for example, giving them that discount was selfish because you preferred not to face the confronting fact then and then disguised your selfishness as being a good friend. But your selfishness led to resentment, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, Oh, wow. I thought by being the good person, by doing the discount, I was being not selfish. This is the good person syndrome. The good person thinks they're not being selfish while they're being absolutely selfish. Then they get very, because most people are unconscious, so they get the feedback. The other person's being really selfish that because that's the mirror happening. Now tell me that, in the situation you've had with your friends, that your judgments haven't broached selfishness. Yeah, we've judged them as being selfish for sure. So you've judged them for being selfish. Well, they, have, they haven't considered our, our, our thoughts. They've been selfish and, and um, done things their way and wanted it their way, etc. Stop there because I want to focus on this point. You have been giving of yourself and they have just been selfishly taking, taking, taking. Now, you could have a radically honest conversation with them that you that you inferred before, like say with your wife having it. Let's say you had a radically honest conversation and said, look, this is where it's really been. I've been giving here and I've been doing this and I've had this vision to come and help you guys and I, I kept that discount going and I, you know what I felt? I just feel like I've been taken advantage of, like I, I feel like, the way this left and that you sent me a text message. I felt really hurt by that. I, I didn't feel like that was necessary for, for friends to do that. The way that uh, that you just wouldn't consider our schedule with like getting people in and da-da-da. Okay, this is a radically honest conversation as far as a, the lay person would say. Okay, let, let's, let, I'll, sh- I'll show you what the actual radical honest conversation is. I want to just let you know that I've been um, deluding myself this this whole time 
since I moved up here with this um, habit I have, which is to please people and do things that aren't feeling necessarily right for me and then sort of generating these expectations that create a situation where all of that's mirrored back to me and slapped back in my face. So, for example, I've been mowing your lawn or doing the thing, you know, working on the land that you've been saying and I've been, I was doing that in a way that wasn't true for me and I, and I kept doing it. And, you know, I was doing it for really selfish reasons because I was too afraid to tell you that I didn't want to do this because I didn't want to lose the relationship. And I, I was afraid of the grief and I was afraid of being rejected. So I kept it going and I, I see that now. And in many ways that this, this relationship ended, all of these situations, I just saw, I, I can now see myself, you know, in, in how I've maybe, you know, judged you guys for how you've dealt with things. I've actually seen myself and, and, and how I've been selfishly pretending to be this person that's not really happening because if I was the good person that I think I am, I would only be compassionate towards the fear that you may have had in the way that you've dealt with me. But instead of being compassionate, guys, I've been judging you. Like I've felt that you've been selfish, which is just a reflection of myself. I can see that now. And I apologize for, for bringing that to our 25-year relationship. And they may be like, I don't know what to say to that. It's like, you don't even need to say anything. It's not, don't even need to reply. I just, I felt to share and clear the air for myself. But instead, the radically honest conversation is a covert way to project blame again. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Now, the other person, the other person doesn't deal well with that because they're not conscious either. And they, they will often defend, react, blame back, you know fear rejection themselves just it's just a soup of blindness happening that is what often takes place but when you see this now as we are having this discussion and this is why we're having this discussion i speak a lot about self-intelligence like cleaning the dishes right not letting them pile up so you'll be so much more acutely aware of when you're going against yourself for the idea of doing the right thing versus actually doing what's right this would be the right thing to do keep going with this discount but actually i went against rightness which was this doesn't feel right to keep going like this such bizarre things happen when you're in the true space right when you're just being true which 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 is extremely rare in our world okay is they may say, okay, no worries, you can, um, we'll, we'll you charge the full rate or whatever. And then you get a whole new rate come to you, which still may be a discount, but maybe not quite the same discount that it was before. And a new rate can come and you go, oh, actually now something else has come, I'm happy to do it at 20% of, or something like this may happen, you see. But it only came after you were true. And now all of a sudden you're like, oh, that feels right oh, that felt rightness led to this feel rightness and it's like, oh, it's moment to moment like this. Whereas before, it gets like, if I start taking that stance with people that I have to charge in this amount and da-da-da, it feels like that doesn't really feel like I want to be more flexible than that or something. It doesn't feel like how I'd like to give, for example. And that can be the stoppage. If I say this, then I've got to be firm and I've got to be consistent and this type of thing. 
you know, and if I've made such a big deal out of it and made everyone uncomfortable, I better be consistent, you know, this type of thing. What often happens is once the willingness is there for rightness to take place, then the next uh, evolution will happen where it's like something else takes place again that's more right and right and right. And you're just now in this flow, in this upstream of rightness that is not dictated by right and wrong in the sense of what it is to be a good person. Now the people around you can trust you. And when the people around you can trust you, they may be less likely to send you a text message in important situations that are confronting. Like when we're going to up your rent, we need a bond, we need you to commit more to a lease, all of these things, are they not all confronting? Yeah, they are. Now, how did they deal with it? They sent you a text message. How did you deal with it? You swallowed it. So you're both doing the same thing in a sense. You're both going, you know, we're both just afraid to confront each other. That's where it's at. I don't want to confront you. You don't want to confront me. End of story. That's so true because we, we met up for drinks the next night and, um, you know, we we had dinner and, and we we had drinks and it wasn't until we were sitting on the couch and it's like, you know, the time's getting away and then finally that conversation came up. So no one wanted to have that conversation then either. And it's like, you know, it was going on 9 o'clock or something. It's like, well, jeez, you know. Um, anyway, it didn't last long and... Um, <laughs> And it's like that was the end of the com. That was the end of the night because it it didn't it didn't go the way everyone wanted it to. So um, so it finished up, and then it's you know it's just continued on. When you put it like that with the reflection and and whatever, that's really powerful. You can truly see each other then, because you can go. I understand what it's like to be confronted, because. I've been avoiding it myself. I understand how uncomfortable it is. So I understand you're uncomfortable, see? That's how we build rapport with each other is understanding ourselves. When you understand yourself well enough, you can understand the other. But if you are telling yourself you're a good person, you don't understand yourself for shit. This is why I say the good person is the devil because they they are just deluding themselves, creating toxicity and resentment and expectations and assumptions all over the place whilst deluding themselves of this good person narrative. It's, it is a syndrome worth looking at and I'm so glad that you're here to bring it up and look at it and be honest about it and not feel judged about it but actually just see it clearly. Like there's so many cases where I, that, that is like I've always been a good person everywhere, you know you know, my old career and my ex-wife and my kids and, you know, it's a long list, right? And it's, I'm finally honouring myself more these days than I have done before and I'm feeling more uncomfortable being the good person and, and it's sort of coming, it's being, it's becoming more obvious and, and, yeah, my wife and I are both on a on a journey, I suppose. So she sees it and says something as well, and she doesn't ridicule me or, or have a go at me, but she just you know shines a light on it, which makes me think more about it. And I can say I, I, I let a client go some months back now, and it was a lot easier because I wasn't in a relationship with them, and it didn't feel right to keep going with them. Their expectations were, uh, you know, of something different of me, and and I and I 
didn't feel aligned to wanting to work with with that sort of person and i and i and i responded to to you know their their message and and um and there was a few messages backwards and forwards and and i i walked away and i didn't feel bad at all about losing that business um it it, it felt good it, it it really felt good inside i i guess this is the work is to learn how to honor that more and and to to read that more i guess isn't it would you guess no, I don't guess. I know. That's what you got to ask yourself because it's a place of integrity. It's a place of leadership. It's a place of eldership to to stick with the truth of what is there in the mundaneness of your everyday life. We think of these things so grandiose like it's, you know, out there somewhere, but it's in mowing this person's lawn and what you charge them. This is where it's at. Right here is where it takes place. It's in this next conversation. It's in this choosing to go to this party or not. It's every moment in the ordinariness that all of this takes place, isn't it? Yeah. But so much spirituality gets taken to, I don't know, beating drums and doing freaking all sorts of gnarly things in these really momentary experiences that don't translate to the everydayness. They don't translate to that conversation that you're talking about. If you would like to download a free beginner self-recognition guided meditation audio to start your journey of healing and freeing yourself from the inside out, see the link in the description or go to selfintelligence.com. I'm so glad to have these conversations that bring this awareness, this critical awareness that gives you that opportunity because you weren't doing this because you're a bad person. You're just doing it because you weren't aware that you're doing it. You, you've certainly become aware of the consequence, you know, the, the suffering that it creates. And then through that, you've opened yourself to finding out. Like, it's not conscious, even though it will create a lot of shame for you. It'll, it'll continue to create shame for you if you choose against uh, what's true. And that will only create more of the good person idea. The good person will actually compensate for that shame it'll go i'll just be a good 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 person and that will that will deal with all my shame and it actually it just keeps growing the shame doesn't it yeah and i, I realized the good person when i when i think about it it comes through because uh, you know I'm, I'm searching for love and acceptance that's what it is you know and that inevitably goes back to your childhood and, and your past and you're learning that comes from yourself as in when you're in that rightness when you're in the awareness space, love love is there, isn't it? Love love is there, not as a personal love though. Acceptance is also there, isn't it? Yeah. Because in this awareness space, you are acceptance. You're not trying to accept something. You are acceptance and you are love. You're not trying to love something or love someone or anything like this. It's unconditional, isn't it? That's your nature. And what you've been learning is, what is everything in the way of that? Well, firstly, the perception that it's out there. And what's all the complexity that happens when I perceive that's where it is? You've just been in the whole experience of that. But in the conceptual spiritual space, it's there's two things. There's love in myself and then there's loving other people. And it's like there's, there's no separation in these things. They are merely a reflection of your inner state. When you experience being selfish, you saw the mirror of that selfishness. 
everything is this is this reflection. What was really helpful here because you asked me a question, when do you look when do you defend yourself, you know? Like when do you like just not take this shit anymore and like this is the pendulum swing of the good person. Okay, the good person who doesn't get who does who is as good as they could possibly be, they will inevitably I could almost say certainly become a victim. If you're identified as the good person, you become the victim and then you become identified as the victim and then the victim will become the perpetrator. The perpetrator says, when do I start not being treated like crap and not being used and taken advantage of? When do I start standing up for myself? This is the perpetrator's voice speaking. When do I start telling him my truth? You know, this type of thing. And it's this, I'm going to start aggressing. I've been running away the whole time, running away from confrontation, uncomfortable conversation. I've just been running from them. But screw that. Now I'm going to fight. I'm going to be a fighter. I'm going to tell people what I think. I'm going to... And then you go down this track. This is the pendulum swing. Yeah, it's going to take place. Sometimes the pendulum swing is necessary. Um, for you to find the center of all of that. Sometimes it is. You may actually find yourself being a bit more explosive. Do you know what I mean? Maybe you'll see more anger come out and show itself than how much you've suppressed it in the past. Be compassionate about you, uh, on yourself around that because you'll beat yourself up about it as well. But the good person will fling back in and go, oh, that's not being a good person. You know, just sort of flying around like this. Just know, oh, I'm just learning. I wobbled this way, now I'm wobbling this way. And when I've wobbled this way and that way, then I'll walk straight line eventually. As long as you have your inquiry with you, when you are acutely aware of your should, shouldn'ts, your what ifs, your needs, these things, your limiting beliefs, then you won't have to swing so far, put it that way. So the energy of those emotions will come through, necessarily they will, and then they will dissipate rather than like prolong and get drawn out into more misery. I can relate to that in the last, maybe even the last year or two at times, you know, like I've found myself with more anger than I've ever had before just at times. This is not normally me. I don't actually normally act like this. So I, I, I definitely have felt that way. I definitely relate to that. And from the place of awareness, you can say, well, what is me? Is me just a habituated response? Is that who I am? Because the response now is not the same as the old response. So which one's me? And you're like, well, I'm clearly observing them both. So it's not me and that's not not me. It's just, it's now a new, it's just a new expression. Uh, and, and people will relate to me different differently now because there's more dynamicism in my expression than there was before. And you'll just be like, far out, I'm learning how to use more of my capacity to express myself, you see. But just being initially aware that it can be a bit like any, like it's like a learner driver, you know, and they keep screwing up the clutch or whatever. Like, it's like, you just got to go, I'm learning, you know, that's it. So obviously more self-acceptance is needed in these times as well, right? Yes. And how do you self-accept? By loving, by loving who I am and, 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 um, and being aware 
of my thoughts and, and actions, I suppose. Well, let's be clear because I suppose is not what something I want you to have. This whole self-love concept is a load of nonsense. Does the I that's loving me need love as well? Yeah. Okay, so what really is that? Let's be clear right now. So when these turbulent moments take place, you can land in something very confident in what that truly is. So let's say you have a bit of anger fly out. Woof, where did that come from, right? Someone took advantage of you, but this time you didn't suppress it. For, so, so somehow you just came out with something. Then you start getting berating thoughts. Oh, I can't believe I did that. You know, how does self acceptance or self love from what you've learnt kick in at this point? Well, I think it's great you've just said, "Hey, hey, I'm 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 just learning here. Uh, it's okay. I'm learning. I'm learning to express myself uh, in my my truest sense." And, and feel into my emotions and and so when I'm when I say you're learning, I'm asking you to accept that as a fact. I'm not asking you to have the voice I am learning as a nice way to make you feel better about what happened. They're two very different things. Because the voice that says I'm just learning is also saying you're an asshole and you shouldn't be doing these things. This voice will fling around all over the place. So I'm not. I don't advocate better thoughts. I'm asking you to accept as a fact that you're learning so that the fact can accept the learning. So you have thoughts that you shouldn't have done that. I can't believe I said that. Oh, my gosh. That is not me. That is so not me to, to have that reaction from what you have learnt if this is persisting, where do you take this? What do you do with this? To trigger inquiry. It shouldn't, shouldn't. So the, so the thought says, I shouldn't have let that anger out. So then you're going, that's the thought I'm suffering. I'm suffering that thought. Because the anger's come out now. There's nothing you can, you can't suck it back in. It's done. It's happened. Okay. But you can, but you can still suffer that it happened by the current thought. And the current thought is saying, suppress it. And you know, well, suppressing is only going to lead to the explosions. So this is where it's important, particularly in times where you're triggered, like with the current situation, it's a, it's a very active trigger. It's not like a dormant sort of thing that you have that thought come and you go, oh, there's one. And I've got, I've got one that could be about others. It could be about yourself. We're talking about yourself right now. You know, I shouldn't have had that anger come out, you see. that's there is There it is. This is the thought I'm suffering. How do we know you're suffering a thought? Because the thing has happened. So you can't, you're not suffering the thing that's happened. It's, it's gone. You're only suffering the thought about it. That, that There's no possible way to suffer the past. This is a delusion that most people are living in. They actually think they can suffer the past. You're only suffering the thought right now then you have been instructed, shown, pointed to, realizing you are the awareness of that thought. And is this awareness suffering? No. Now, that cannot be answered as a concept, as a nice answer, as a right answer, as a gold star answer. That has to be answered in your 
experience as a fact. Then you come out of the pendulum swing of good person meets perpetrator because you've found the place that is at ease, that is not externally oriented. The good person is trying to find ease by being a good person externally. So only until you realize all of that was driven by thought and I'm the witness and I've actually identified how the trigger helped me get to that thought, only in your experiential knowingness that the peace lies right in this second in the witnessing of that suffering thought will you gain any traction in peace. If you would like to discover who you really are beyond the voice in your head and emotional states that cause relationship drama, stress, health issues, procrastination, sabotage, addictions, essentially all the drama and personal problems you can think of, come and join me for the Wake Up Experience, which is the first step in freeing yourself from the inside out. See the link in the description for more details. So I wanted to make this explicit because I can tell when I'm asking you questions, there's that sort of like bit of hesitancy. Do you know what I mean? Just a little bit, just enough. Because I'm, I'm dealing with an ego that won't let up. It, it's got its shit on lockdown. It is vigilant. Yeah, it is unrelenting. This illusion, um, this game that gets played that you have noticed recently, it, it will not miss a beat. So it's, it's, it's funny, you know what? <laughs> I never thought I had much of an ego, but in this work and over the last few years, I've realized how much I've had and how much I still have. The awareness of that is so much greater than ever before. Well, the good person is the last person to think they've got ego. They are a Trojan horse. They are the gift that comes in and destroys the place, yeah, because they don't know that it is the ego itself and This is not taught at school. This is not taught in most spiritual circles even. This level of clarity of seeing how this plays, that ego is illusion of self, that ego is just the sense of person in me that's trying to get love, approval, and acceptance. That's all ego is. Ego is the effort to get love, approval, and acceptance externally as a primary means to feel at ease in yourself. That's all the ego is. This is not the definition going around. Definition of ego is some person who thinks they're amazing, who's trying to like win at life, all about success, toxic masculine, blah, blah, blah. Like this is distractions for the ego, actually. It's um, shields for the ego. Oh, no, that's ego. No, no. Okay, I feel like we've come to a place of some clarity for today, some fine-tuning, some sharpening the skills. Thank you so much for today. I really appreciate it. You're an absolute legend, such a such a willingness, effortless to work with. Yeah, I really, really appreciate your presence in the community and your your appreciation for this work and dedication to to dissolve, you know? That's good. Love it. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you got value out of this, please share it so that other people can benefit also. If you are fed up with the drama, overwhelm or suffering going on in your life and you would like expert guidance and support tailored to your situation, come and be a guest on the Self-Intelligence Podcast. Don't go another day confused how to address the challenges you are facing. 
If you want to be a guest, go to the link in the description below. And for more information about self-intelligence, including joining my next wake up experience or detailed information about my 12 week self-intelligence course, go to selfintelligence.com.